Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. This is a joyous day. We got the most beautiful bride and groom over there. Look at them. Gabe, Sarah, oh my gosh. I am so honored to be standing with you today as you both lay down your lives for each other in holy matrimony. And it's been, uh, it's been a joy to walk with you in the capacity that I've been able to walk with you these past couple months and just to be um, the guy who gets to celebrate your wedding mass. I am so honored by that. I'm so, so honored. For those, who, for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Father Patrick Schultz. I'm not a priest of Columbus. I'm a priest from the Diocese of Cleveland, North, and I've had the honor of knowing Gabe and Sarah for several years now as I've gotten to work with them and many of the other missionaries. Are there missionaries here? Oh, there they are, down at Damascus, and uh, it's just been a privilege to, uh, to, to be part of that ministry in the capacity that I am. So before I say another word to you two as couple today, I have to say a special word to your parents, because this day would not be possible without them in so many ways. Deacon Ben, Marielli, unbelievable. You have raised an amazing son. You've raised an amazing son. And I'm just so privileged just to call Gabe a friend. I'm so privileged. Bill and Lori, where are you? There you are. You've raised an amazing daughter. She's so beautiful on the outside, but even more radiant on the inside. And I am, again, so privileged to call her a friend. And the man that he is, the woman that she is today, is so much a fruit of, of your marriages, of who you are, the years of praying and sacrificing, all the ways, big and small, that you've cooperated with the Lord and his grace. And I want to single out you, Deacon Ben, for just a moment. And I'm sure you'd probably rather I didn't single you out. We're here today on this day in particular because of what happened two years ago today. Two years ago today, things looked very, very different for the Gessler family. Two years ago today, after a very long, hard battle with COVID, your body was just done. Your body was done. You shared with me that your body had dropped nine degrees in one day on this day, July 15th, 2021, and the doctors began offering their condolences to the family. It's a very hard and very dark day. So how awesome it is to redeem July 15th in this way. Really, really beautiful. Really, really beautiful. You were sharing with me the other day, Deacon Ben, how after everyone had left, it was just, Marielle, you were alone with your husband. And it seemed like after you had prayed every prayer that you could think to pray, you had run out of prayers to pray, you thought to yourself, maybe I'll just pray my wedding vows over my husband. That was a very smart thing to do. <laughs> you prayed your wedding vows over your dying husband for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death do us part. And it might have been that moment. It might have been just minutes from then. You didn't know. Nobody knew. But we all know how that story ended miraculously, unexpectedly. Gloriously, the Lord does incredible things, but that's not exactly, that's not what I really want to talk about today, or at least focus on for this moment. What I want to say that is this, that those vows which you spoke 
over your husband. Those vows that you spoke to each other as husband and wife all those years ago. Bill and Lori, those vows that you spoke to each other all those years ago. Every married couple, those vows that you spoke to each other on the day of your wedding, which you two are about to say in just a moment. Those vows, what you're saying is essentially, it's the same thing. I'm not going anywhere. I'm all in. Come what may. Because of that, you can trust me. And what you're effectively promising to each other is I promise to be the one who will best prepare you to go home, to meet the Lord. That's what you're promising. That's what you promised, and that's what you are promising today. Like out of everybody on this planet, 7 billion people, all are wonderful and fascinating in their own way. What you're saying is, it's you that I'm fascinated by, and it's you that I pledge to help enter into the marriage of the Lamb. That's what you're promising. Like, that's something that I've realized as a priest. I've been a priest now a little over seven years, and I've realized that funerals, celebrate a lot of funerals, but funerals are a lot more about life, and weddings are actually a lot more about death. And every married couple kind of chuckles at that, right? Like, yeah. But the truth is that we all know that that moment's coming for all of us. That there will come a moment for every one of you who are married, where one of you, just like you face Marielli, one of you will be preparing to leave this world, and everything that you've done in your entire marriage is about preparing for that moment. And your wedding vows, what you're saying is, I promise to be the one who will help you enter into the dance of the Trinity's love. You know, the early church fathers, they use this word, this Greek word, perichoresis, to describe the relationship of the persons of the Trinity. What are they doing for all eternity? What have they been doing? They've been dancing. That's what the word perichoresis means. They've been in this endless exchange of life and love, this dance of bliss and glory. And there is no one this side of heaven, Gabe, more than Sarah. And Sarah, there's no one this side more than Gabe who's going to help you enter into that dance. You will be learning through your marriage to enter into that dance more deeply, this dance of the Father's tender and merciful and indulgent and absurd love. And at times, times, absolutely at times, you're going to step on each other's toes. You're going to be off rhythm. You're not going to be on the beat, but that's okay. You just enter back in. You just enter back in. And in addition to each other, there's no person who will help you as a couple enter more fully into this dance than our queen, than our lady. You didn't think I would preach a wedding homily for these two without talking about Mary, right? I want to talk about our lady. because She was the Lord's favorite and she was the Lord's first dance partner. He loved to dance with Our Lady. And of course, the song that they, that they danced to was the Song of Songs, all day long, through eternity. So I want to talk about her, because as we gaze upon her, as we gaze upon Our Lady, we're going to see what it is that God's bringing to birth in you two today as you lay down your lives for each other. So allow me for a moment to quote my boy, Archbishop Fulton Sheen here. Anybody Fulton Sheen fans? Seems like you're not as big a fan as me. Okay. Woo. Okay, 
Archbishop Fulton Sheen, you can hoop and holler after I read this quote. He said this, I think every person has in his mind, in his heart, the image of the one he loves. It is made up of memories, thoughts, dreams, ideals, experiences. And then one day, someone appears. It's called love at first sight. But it isn't really love at first sight, but love at second sight. Every great love is the dream come true. Did you ever see a dream walking? Well, I did. And that is why love is very much like music. We hear music for the very first time and we all like it. Why is that? Because we already have that music inside of our own hearts. Now, when God became man, when he willed it at the very creation of the world, he had a dream about a mother, a woman who would be his mother when he would take on flesh he would decide the time of his birth, the circumstances, the people, all the details. He thought of her long, long before she was born. She was the dream come true, the world's first love. The world's first love. Scripture calls this moment in Luke's gospel, the fullness of time. When the fullness of time had arrived, when the moment had finally arrived, God sends an angel from the white throne room of God to bow and bend the knee before this virgin of Nazareth. And heaven, like a bridegroom, kneels before his bride-to-be, she who is the empress of the universe, and he asked her simply for this, for an open space, for her fiat, just a word, yes, so that God wed himself, unite himself to our humanity, to her humanity, to my humanity, to every person who would ever live. He asked if God and man, if the two might become one flesh in the mystical wedding chamber of Mary's immaculate womb. It's just like the Song of Songs, right? The bridegroom comes at night and his head is wet and drenched with dew and he's knocking and he's whispering on the door of the bride and he's saying, open to me. My sister, my bride, my dove, my perfect one, open to me. In Our Lady, right, the Trinity's favorite dance partner, we see the embodiment. That's who she is. She's the embodiment of the bride of Isaiah, who is adorned and bedecked with jewels, radiant and arrayed in gold. She's immaculate and perfect. That's who she is. She stands for the entire human race. And at the Annunciation, right, Mary gave her yes to this spousal dream, this marriage proposal with such totality that she literally conceives divine life in her womb. And like we look at her, we see in Mary the ecstasy to which we are all called. She is who we are all destined to be. She's not the aberration. She's the norm. She is living the eternal wedding supper of the Lamb. We see in her what heaven will be like, union, with Christ, by the power of the Spirit, she is where all this is headed. This is where your marriage is headed. In her, what do we see? We see the gates, the city of God in Revelation, the gates opened up, lifted, right? The Holy of Holies, the bridal chamber, where the marriage of heaven and earth is consummated. That's who she is. That's what we see. She is the Lord's dwelling place. 
She's the Lord's dwelling place. She's the embodiment of the land that the Lord says, you will be espoused in my delight. She is the rich and fertile soil in which the word of God plants his seed. She's the, she's the field in which the treasure is buried. That's who she is. That's who she is. She is the chalice. She's the mystical rose. She's the garden enclosed. She's the new Eden out of which the new Adam comes. In her yes, at the marriage proposal of the Annunciation, she gives God everything that he lacks. Everything that he lacks. What did he lack? Because God wanted to be given to man as a man, because he wanted to affect our salvation, not by this divine decree, but by an embrace, by offering his flesh, by giving us his body, he needed and wanted to take on matter. And so he came in search of a mater, a mother. He was in his divinity. He was invulnerable. So he asked her for a body that could be wounded. He was, he was joy itself, and so he asked her for tears. He was God, and he asked her to make him man. He asked for hands that could be nailed. He asked for feast, feet that could be pierced. He asked for a back that could be scourged. He asked for a heart that could be broken and pierced open. Like he asks and then he waited. He waited for her fiat to receive from her all of her humanity. He wouldn't take it. He couldn't take it. Like the author of every good gift became a beggar before the heart of our queen who waited to receive from her. And she says, yes. And heaven kisses the womb of the Immaculate Virgin. And what this begins, this is where I want us to see where you are and where we are, what began at the Annunciation, 33 years before Pilate announces the sentence, right? What began at the Annunciation is the passion of the Christ. The passion begins at the very beginning. In, it all begins in the womb of the virgin as, like, as Mary is giving milk to our bread who would become the bread of life, right? She is teaching him through the gift of her own body how to say, this is my body given for you. Is that not what you're going to be saying to each other in front of the altar as you say, this is my body given for you? Over and over and over again, every mother, every mother who has ever born a child and given birth and nursed a child at her breast knows this mystery of Our Lady, which is the mystery you're entering into, which is becoming living Eucharist for each other to feast upon. This is my body given for you. right? Because God's love for us is not merely personal, because the least inadequate image to describe his love for us is that of spousal love. Because of that, like all of these mysteries, all of these mysteries, it all begins in Mary's womb. Like the spousal love is nursed at her breast. It's brought to a climax on the cross. This is my body given for you as he lays down his life for his bride in the flesh. Consumatum est. It is consummated. Like, friends, that right there, Gabe, Sarah, like that right there, that is why we are here. That's why you'll be holding that crucifix as you say your vows. 
That's what we are doing here. It's what you are doing here. This is the love story, the great mystery that began in the womb of the Virgin with the sacred heart of Jesus beating beneath the immaculate heart of Mary, the mystical dance of heaven and earth, right? Christ and humanity, the bridegroom and the bride, all of that, all of that is recapitulated in you two beautiful, amazing people. All of it is signified by what you're about to do. This is my body given up for you for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death do us part. And just as his passion began in the womb of the virgin, so does yours. That's what the church is. Like, look up. What do we see? Blue and stars. Looks a lot like Our Lady of Guadalupe. When she showed up all those years ago, she was hiding the mystery of the Word made flesh in her womb. We are in the womb of the Virgin. The passion of your life begins in her womb where all good things are brought to birth. And notice, I want you two to notice that just like Mary, all that you have, all that you have today to contribute is your poverty. Just like her. All she had to give was an open space. Your emptiness, your vacant hearts. Hearts, just like wombs, are meant to be filled by the presence of another. That's what it is. And all that you have to say today, just like her, is yes, be it done unto me according to thy word. If you are ready to lay down your lives for each other, to begin the passion that is matrimony, I invite you to come forward now.